This is great. Chilling by the ocean, waves crashing, drink on the side. Death Star flying above me. Hey, those Typhon? The summer's out and our blockade is legal. Join Robin Boat and Sean Me Show right now. Right now. Hey guys, what is going on? Welcome back to the Brick City Blockade here on our journey to episode 9 recap. That's right, our closing in, folks. It's amazing that this journey is about to come to a halting end. Yep. Rise of Skywalker. But today we are discussing and taking a look back at the last film we saw before this, which was eh, Solo, I guess, but also the last Jedi. And unfortunately, Sean couldn't be on this recap episode. The dude is trying to recover up here in New England, of course, from what we call the New England cold, which is just yeah. a standard cold. And I just had a bunch of BS right there just to come up with something cool. But I've got Andrew Garrish in front of me on yeah. this episode. Andrew, how's it going, my friend? It's going pretty good. Uh, not as cold as, it's, as it has been. I know. Uh, it's weird. It's it doesn't weird. feel like Christmas, but... I'll take it. I kind of prefer a little bit more warm weather. And not so much not so much like the summer, but more fallish right. kind of weather. Yeah, I know. And we're we're in a very weird spot for December here in New England for all those who are listening across the world and across the country. Uh you maybe you've seen it on the weather forecast, but we're unseasonably warm here. It's like it's like Hoth decided to melt a little bit. Uh, yeah. Here in New England. So we're taking advantage of it, but Andrew, let me start off with this. We're talking about The Last Jedi on this recap, and I want you to give me your top four Last Jedi moments, things that you recollect about it, things that you really enjoyed about The Last Jedi itself that really stand out to you. Um, personally, my top four, um, starting with four, like our format has been mm -hmm. um battle of the crate i really it's similar to battle of the hoth in a mm -hmm. way but it is different to where it's like this is fresh this is new right and again like empire strikes back you felt the power of the first order it's true. which before that we never really did besides again star killer base and mm -hmm. You saw um, the strength of the First Order and their technology that they have. Like the battering ram, that's tech from the Death Star and everything like that. And the desperation of the Resistance, similar to the Rebels. Um, well, at this point, they're Rebels again, technically. But Yeah, know. Huck said it. Huck <laughs> said it in The Last Jedi. Yeah. Um, three would be... Would be Luke's confrontation with um, Kylo. Mm. I really, I really like it. It shows the legend that Luke Skywalker was, and technically still is. Um, just posing Luke and all the Resistance fighters, seeing yeah. Luke 
legend walk out to face down Kylo Ren. And it's essentially just an uncle punking his nephew one last time before he goes away. (laughs) So true. So Uh, true. Like, yeah, this is the only Star Wars movie where we don't get a traditional lightsaber duel. Mm -hmm, But mm -hmm. it was still cool to see Luke being the legend that we heard about in books and comic books and stuff like that. Um, Two, the throne room stuff with Snow, Kylo. Yeah, that was great. Um, The throne room could have looked a little bit better. It just looked like an unfinished set. Um, Mm, I noticed uh, that. But I did like it. It did show Snoke's power. But Mm -hmm. we'll get into some stuff. My theories on that when we get to Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. Um, But Andy Serkis, again, I love his motion capture Mm. um, stuff. I am happy that he was in the sequel trilogy as Snoke. Anything Andy Serkis is in gets a higher rating for me. Like the the remake of Planet of the Apes. I wasn't the biggest Planet of the Apes fan, but the remakes, because of Andy Serkis' technology with the motion capture, it's one of the the best trilogies. Um, And the technology evolved through each film and you saw more of Andy Serkis' face in King Caesar. Just right. like Snoke, you see a lot of Andy Serkis' features in Snoke. Um, number one, everything with Luke. Mm. Everyone's saying that this is not Luke Skywalker they remember or anything like that. This is Luke Skywalker 30 years after Return of the Jedi. He is going to be a different person. I, <clears throat> I'm i not the same person I was 10 years ago. Robin's definitely not the same person he definitely was. Definitely not. <laughs> um, and that's the thing. It shows that the character grew in that 30-year time gap. Yep. And yeah, there could be more stuff telling the story of Luke finding the Emperor's um, observatories, yeah. looking for relics, trying to see if anything is else is out there. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And it, for those saying that it's out of Luke's character to try and kill Ben, Luke looked into Ben's mind and saw all these bad things. Yeah. And he didn't want to have to relive Darth Vader and the Empire and everything like that. Yeah, inadvertently he created Kylo Ren but it's something out of instinct where it's like, okay, I have this chance to stop evil right here, right now, yeah. or let it grow and get stronger. And that's the most human thing is it's like, I can do this now. Yep. Yep. Right here, right now. And then. <clears throat> realize it's not the right thing to do yeah and those the main issue a lot of people have is that i've noticed with luke besides him being grumpy which it's he's on an island he's trying to be alone i can get it Um, isn't mark hamill fairly grumpy to begin with anyway well it depends on the topic yeah Um, that's what i'm that's yeah i mean um 
and then those saying him throwing the lightsabers out of character, go back and watch Return of the Jedi. He throws down his lightsaber there. Um, And the lessons that he gives to Rey. Um, Granted, we never got the third lesson, which it was a deleted scene, but Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. the lessons that we got and the little bit of we saw Luke being curious of training Rey when she was like practicing with the lightsaber and stuff like that. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think the last Jedi encompasses many different events and it does a fantastic job of giving us a very different aspect of the star Wars universe, especially different filming style. I mean, Ryan Johnson is somebody who never really worked on any big budget films to begin with, always had his own independent projects, always had his own film uh, crew and always wrote a story that was, to be honest with you, very different than what the rest of the film industry was doing in whatever slated year um, the film came out. And for him to walk into The Last Jedi, and my top four um, starts with number four, and it starts with, in particular, um, when Ray confronts Luke on Octu, and we pick up right where we left off, mm-hmm. and Luke throws the saber. Um, I think that cinematically... That is the biggest, it's the biggest letdown, but a spark of hope at the same time. Mm-hmm. It, it was interesting, the, the, di- the dynamic between it, because you they left it on a certain note with The Force Awakens. You know that J.J. and Ryan had sat down, and Ryan had said at one point, like, what if Luke threw his lightsaber when he got it? Like, I'm done with this. I want nothing to do with this. Mm-hmm. And I think that, to be honest with you, when you watch the last bit of the film and you finally watch the credit scene jj was there jj knew mm-hmm. exactly what ryan was working on because even though C- colin trevorrow was slated to direct episode nine deep down inside kathleen kennedy and bob Iger said Mm-mm, we're not liking where this is going jj is <laughs> going to be the next guy ryan talk with jj see what you can do with some of these characters to help perpetuate into how jj wants to finish this thing and i think that scene alone is where we see Ryan exploring his style mm-hmm. and also cutting it back to what JJ wanted from the character of Luke Skywalker. Yeah. And I think that that's what Mark Hamill felt when, remember when he first came out, he was like, this has been the hardest role for me to play. This has been the hardest incarnation of Luke for me to really adapt to because mm-hmm. we were doing so many different things with him. And I, sorry to say it, I really have to act in this mm-hmm. role even more than I've done in the past. I have to show raw emotion even more in this. And that was the balance between Ryan Johnson and J.J. Abrams, which I think a lot of fans still have a hard time with. But like you said earlier, Andrew, until you know what it's like to sit behind a camera, and we haven't done it ourselves, but we have a lot of people who have. Until you have sit down behind a camera and have had the pressure on you to fulfill a script and to fulfill a story, do you know what it's like? to actually have to push that forward. And I think a lot of fans, that was why it was number four for me, because a lot of fans were taken away by it. And there's just so much more to that scene than what we even perceive at times. So it's a very interesting scene and is one that I continually reflect upon. My number three um, is when we meet Admiral Holdo for the first time, and we see the dynamic between Holdo and uh, Poe Dameron in particular. And Holdo, if you read 
um, a lot of the Leia stuff, Princess of Alderaan, any of the canon stuff, you know that Holdo's very close to Leia. Um, her relationship with Leia goes deep. Um, in many ways, Leia was a mentor to her. And if Holdo had existed in the time of the original trilogy, um, I think she would have been the right hand to Mon Mothma even more because she carries that kind of charisma and character. And I think Poe misjudged that because he's so used to the leadership of Leia and her style that Holdo comes in very quiet, very relaxed, but is also speaking to Leia and knows probably exactly how Poe acts. And I just love the dynamic between the two. And then when Poe tries to completely change the show, Leia comes back into the picture and says, uh-uh, this is why Holdo took over, over and not you. Because you're not ready yet. And she's already been through a lot herself. So I think that that character, Laura Dern's character, including the maneuver, I, I think it was genius. Um, I wish we had more of Admiral Holdo. Um, I want to know more about her. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that she's one of those characters that you bring in somebody like Laura Dern, who has a lot of film experience. And I think with Ryan Johnson, he had her for a certain amount of time, but I feel like we could have had more. So that's why it's number three for me, because I would have loved to have seen more of her character development, even earlier on, maybe in Force yeah. Awakens, even being introduced to her would have been really cool as well. So that's my number three. Number two for me is... Of course, the one scene that always hits me the hardest, which is the throne room scene, uh, which I believe was your number two as well. Mm -hmm. um, and it's so cool because we were all waiting for that big moment that was going to happen, uh, whether it was going to be Ray, whether it was going to be Kylo, whether it was going to be Snoke himself, just changing the story going forward in some sort of way possible. And... For it to be by the hands of Ben Solo in that moment. And I love it when, you, if you watch on YouTube, it's Daisy Ridley kind of breaking down the scene yeah. as it's going. And she talks about specifically, she was like, if it's your first time watching it, you're surprised by it. But the more you watch The Last Jedi, you're like, you start to see like, oh, wait, this was totally going to happen. This was just, yeah. it, it was it was foreseen way ahead of time. And with, we're going to get into it with Rise of Skywalker, but there's a lot of things you look at that scene in particular and you're like, ooh. I think Snoke even knew. I think Snoke mm -hmm. even knew that something was going to turn tides here. So I, I just love the dynamics, the choreography, the um, just the way everything went. And like Daisy Ridley said, most of this was all in one take. If there had mm -hmm. to be multiple takes, they had to wait multiple days in between so the set people could come in and fix up the entire thing. Yep. The amount of money that just went into that scene alone mm -hmm. for the entire film budget is quite stunning. And is quite amazing. So alone in that, that takes up my number two. And of course, my number one scene in this entire film is when Luke comes in and Leia's sitting there. And he gives her the dice. And I think that's the one scene for me where... Um, and I don't know if you felt this, Andrew, but I sat there and, and I knew that Luke was going to do something. Mm -hmm. That he was going to risk himself for the good of what yeah. was whatever left. But it was also my moment where I said, Carrie Fisher's gone now. Mm -hmm. This is also the moment where Leia realizes my time is coming too. My yeah. time is up. And that's the whole dynamic between those two characters in that scene. And the music, the tone, him looking at C-3PO and winking. I mean, it was just, 
uh, it was just it was nostalgic, but it was it was simple, and it felt like an independent film in that moment. It did not it really feel did. necessarily like Star Wars. It was like let's put Luke and Leia in the spotlight on the stage with a thousand people in the theater, mm-hmm. and let's th- have them let them have their Shakespearean moment. And that's what it was in that film. And I still, to this day, it's the one part that I really get emotional with. It, same it, with, it always will be. Same with me. Um, I don't know if I mentioned it in Return of the Jedi, but the Luke and Leia theme is one of my favorite Star Wars yeah. um, themes. And it even played a little bit in um, Rise of Skywalker for the soundtrack. But... Um, it was more powerful in Last Jedi because it's the last. Not only is it the last time Mark Har- Hamill and Carrie Fisher had a scene together, but it's the last time Leia is going to see her brother. Yeah. Um, for th- and it's the first time she's seeing him in who knows how many years. Yeah. Because there's no real time frame on when Kylo turned to the dark side. Mm-hmm. Um, it really isn't. I'd say it's more recent that he turned. It seems um, like it, yeah. Because he didn't seem too much older when he was a Padawan. When no. he made his choice. And I haven't really read the comic in terms of the Kylo and Luke stuff, so I haven't seen too much yet in terms of that. Maybe a little answer that. Who knows? Yeah. Um, but it's. It's very bittersweet because I would have liked to see where the character would have gone if Carrie didn't pass away. Yeah. But I am happy with what we got in Last Jedi and then what we got in Rise of Skywalker. And, yeah. um, yeah, it, it's still an emotional scene. Not, not too much emotion with what rewatching it. Yeah. I, I think rewatching specific parts of Rise of Skywalker is going to be more emotional for me going yeah. forward with this trilogy anyway. Yeah, it seems like it. Just the dynamics between going from Force Awakens to a film that feels very different than the rest of the Star Wars universe that we've become accustomed to between the prequels and the sequel trilogy and of course the original trilogy um you know it it stands out as its own little thing and i i think that's good i think that um it was about time that we had somebody else come in and just give it a shot like i know you and i have always talked about that bringing different people into the star wars universe to to explore their stories and i think john favreau with the mandalorian has been a great example of bringing in different directors to tell different stories it's a format that dave filoni absolutely loves it's a format that lucasfilm has always liked to begin with yeah and um i think the last jedi was that great testing ground for is could this work could this be something that the fans could get behind and no matter what anybody says whether it works for you whether it doesn't what the last jedi does do is it it gives us that middle film in a in a sequel trilogy and it also gives us a middle film where we really have to take a step back and you have to use your brain. You have to use your mind. You know, there's a lot of different aspects of Star Wars where a lot of the answers are right there. Answers. You look at it, it's like, okay, that's what happened. I get that. Last Jedi does something very different. It makes you think. 
and it makes you really have to like dig deep in like if you're watching an opera in a foreign language you, you can't rely on the language that's being spoken you have to look at the emotions on people's faces you have to watch their body language that's what the last jedi does i'm gonna say it the last jedi is an opera in the star wars universe i can and, agree with and, that and and it's and I think it has to be treated as so. It's an art form, and it's different for a lot of people. And that's why it brings out so much negativity at times in the discussion room, because it is so different. And mm-hmm. I think the only other thing, Andrew, of course, we can't really do make it or break it with this because we already saw the rise of Skywalker, so yeah. we can't even do that. But I do have another quick little segment to add, add on to this part here, Andrew. Let me ask you. Porg or porg, porg or no porg, no porg. I Why? didn't like. Why? They are. The great debate. I wasn't a fan of them to begin with, even okay. seeing it when it first released. Um, they didn't have any need to be there. Ooh. Besides to be cute and be mm. there for kids and to sell more toys mm. <laughs> see it now i'm i'm going to say porg on this because <laughs> i i think the one thing that the porgs do in particular with the last jedi Nothing. is <laughs> uh, just stop it stop it um <laughs> now you're definitely not knowing what you're getting um but I think the, the beauty, <laughs> I think the beauty of do it for the cat though. Do it for the cat, you know. <laughs> not doing it for the cat. <laughs> not telling you anything for the cat. I can deal with it. What cat. if I put the headphones on the cat and you the tell cat's the cat. gonna take off? It's gonna hear my voice in like five seconds. You're like, Meow! just take yeah, it off. Probably. It's gonna sound like Kylo Ren's type. It'll be that one porg that's trying to turn the lightsaber on. And... <laughs> <laughs> that scene, I'm so mad. I am so mad that that lightsaber did not get turned on. And well, it wasn't, wasn't pressing the button. The button is on the top. Right. Underneath right. The I, think, I think the cool thing about the Porgs and why I think we, we've been kind of waiting for something in this sequel trilogy to, to really grab the attention of fans and be like, oh, this is so cute. This is marketing. This is toys. This is something that we can really put out there. Now, see, that's the mindset that I come from. Is yes. that if you can find something that works for the fans, that allows Disney, then Disney's going to pr- probably praise me for this, allows them to make money outside of the film, Porgs were the greatest way of doing that. And I think, I wouldn't be surprised if Bob Iger and Kathleen Kennedy didn't sit down in that moment and be like, holy shit, Porgs are going to sell like crazy. Try to include one of those in everything that you do. And... I, I think it was a very smart marketing approach, and I think that they work. I think they work in those scenes, not just for comedy, but I love the relationship between the one Porg and Chewbacca. I think that that's fantastic. Terribus the Porg, Terribus that the Tatooine Sons podcast had come up with. <laughs> um, you know, I, I think that they're they're fun, they're cute, and it works for kids. Star Wars is for kids, and Porgs are a great way of including that fandom, of the younger fandom into it. All right, at that point, fine. I'll accept the porgs for what they are. But that's all I'm asking. I, I'm, still I'm not, asking. I'm still not going to like them. <sighs> I thought I could, thought I could turn you. I thought I could turn you. No, Much like I, I'm, I'm still not the biggest fan of Ewoks. I have come to respect them because they are very ferocious and very scary. 
Yeah, they especially are when you're, especially when you're playing Battlefront Two and you're playing the Ewok hunt. It's absolutely oh, that terrifying. is cool. Yeah, that is extremely terrifying to all of our fans out there who play Battlefront Two or turned it off and are maybe going to go back and start playing it now with the DLC stuff from the Rise of Skywalker in particular. It honestly has gotten so much better um, with all the updates that they've had, all yeah. the more stuff, the new looks for Kylo Ren, Rey, and Finn. Um, Sith troopers and everything like that. That's cool. Um, That's cool. It's definitely a lot better now. And they have two new heroes. They have BB-8 and um, Oh Dio. No, not Dio. Oh um, Dio. What's, what's the first orders um, BB unit? BB-90. Oh yeah, BB-90. Yep. yep they yep. have him as the hero too, which is weird. To have a droid as a hero, they could have put in like Zori or something like that. Yeah, but, that's interesting. I mean, they put in they put in stupid Captain Phasma. They could have put in Hux, and Hux yeah. did more. Hux actually did more in the very end. That's a very good point. Up, oh, up, oh, teaser, teaser for yeah. the next review. <laughs> uh, but anyway, we've come to that time of the review, folks. Be prepared. Be prepared. We are actually. Towards I our... didn't talk about my issues with Stern. Ah. I teased it in the Force Awakens. Folks, I have folks to, get ready. Here we go. I, All right. I have to All right, honor say what it. I was going to say. You do. You do. All right. So we're not at the end of the show. Andrew needs to speak of Finn quickly. So the character of Finn, I love him in Force Awakens. Yes. I hate him in The Last Jedi. Mm-hmm. Fantastic in The Rise of Skywalker. The Last Jedi, it felt like he took, like, in Force Awakens, it's like he took three steps forward into knowing himself and being part of the resistance right. last Jedi, he takes five steps back to being the stormtrooper trying to escape and be a deserter. I see that. I see that. And there was so much growth in the force wagons for that character. You face off against Kylo Ren. Yep. Knowing he was probably going to die. Yeah. Essentially this, if he were to face off against Kylo Ren, he'd probably turn around and run this particular version of Finn. Yeah. That's just that's just my issue with it. I've always had an issue with it. And yeah. It's now interesting. You can, now you can wrap up if you want, unless you want to give your stuff on that. No, I mean I think we'll we'll talk a lot more about it coming up next in our Rise of Skywalker um, review in particular. But I will say this, I do agree with you with Finn. I mean, the difference between him and The Last Jedi and The Rise of Skywalker, I really need some canon backup because he matures as a character even more between The Last Jedi and Rise. We get a very different Finn, one that looks like he's been part of the Resistance like ever since the the Battle of Endor. Like He's been there even when the Rebellion was there. He has, he has a mode of motivation that I've never seen before uh, in that character, and it's like three times that much more than it was in the last jedi so very fascinated cannot wait to talk on the next one but that is a wrap-up on our last jedi conversation but it's not a podcast until we do a little thing we like to call well what is it called andrew plug time that's right it's plug time andrew where can the good people find you on the sosh mead well, I am no longer dark on social media, I don't uh, think so it's... you can find me on Instagram at Andrew62592, Twitter at agarish one and YouTube at Committed Nerd, where you can see 
the vlog for the day of Rise of Skywalker yes. opening night, where Robin came down and Sean and everything like that, and we kind of tried to vlog the entire day, but there was just so much going on, we couldn't get the mm -hmm. full day. We just did reading up, and then update, and then the review, spoiler-free review of Rise of Skywalker. Yeah, right at the end there. And I do want to apologize to the Best Buy that we went to um, for uh, my post-lunch uh, uh, incident. Um, <laughs> just just apologizing ahead of time. Um, good folks over at Best Buy, I, I want to say I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, anyway, you yep, guys can... Blew up the <laughs> I blew the Death Star. Uh, you guys can follow me over on Twitter at MrBoatTweets. Check out the Brick City Blockade over there at Brick City SWPC www.brickcityblockade.com for everything happening in that galaxy far, far away. And of course, make sure to subscribe to us on YouTube. Make sure to subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you find those podcasts that you like to listen to on whatever device. You can have a Galaxy. You can have an Android. You can have, in particular, an iPhone. I really could give a flying fuck. As long as you subscribe, have fun, stay positive, and keep loving Star Wars the way that you do it as a fandom. And until... Yes, and until next time, as we always say here at the Brick City Blockade, eh, always. Always.